morning, church. How are you? Can you hear me okay? There we go. Um, so my name is David. I serve on the pastoral staff here. I don't normally sound like this. Some, somebody's got to bring the sexy back, though. So apparently that's me today. Anyway, <clears throat> my dad called this the Blue Mongolian Crud. That's the technical term for those of you who are in the medical field, just so that you know. And uh, it affects, for whatever reason, my voice. I feel fine. So, if you're wondering. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. And um, I was thinking about this today, that, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes life doesn't go as you expected. Have you noticed this? Yeah? Things change all of a sudden. Um, maybe, maybe you've experienced like a relationship that didn't, didn't work out quite the way that you thought that it would. Um, that, that seems to be a common one. Or um, maybe there's a work situation that wasn't exactly what you hoped for, or, or it was, and you're like surprised, right? Um, or maybe, you know, sometimes it might be something like um, you live in a place or you move to a place that you didn't expect, Right? Although I have to admit, temperature-wise, I'm glad we moved from Wisconsin to Oklahoma. I'm just saying. Uh, I talked to a woman up there um, this last week, and they had four feet on the level of snow. That's snow. Four feet of snow. Yeah. Yeah, we would close church for four feet of snow. I'm just saying. It does. It did happen up there. So. Um, maybe life throws you a curveball with health challenges. I know a lot of people who deal with that. Uh, my own family did. And there's delays and there's setbacks and there's, there's all kinds of things that actually occur. But sometimes life doesn't go as you expect it. Sometimes you have this great plan. And you're executing on the plan very well. But something comes along and messes it all up. Let me give you a great example of this. On Monday night... Our staff had our annual Christmas party. Some of you are giggling. And uh, yeah, so we do this every year. Um, we, we do a staff Christmas party. And last few years, we've done dinners together. Sometimes we do adults only. Sometimes we do it with all families. Anyway, I wanted to do something different this year. Different. So I had uh, asked a couple of people, and, and somebody had mentioned, hey, have you thought about going on one of these light tours? That sounds like a great idea. Let's go on a light tour. And so I rented this great big party bus. It's not just any party. It was the Party Express. Big windows. You'd see everything. They had a, they had a route that they were going to take, the party bus. So we all show up and play some Broken Arrow, and we get on the bus, and we're driving a little too fast, I might add, but we were kind of driving along because we were going to Sepulpa. Have you been to the Sepulpa lights? If you haven't, it's really something else. There's a company right there, I think it's 111th, and they have this massive light show. And so he gets into the lane, and he's going down, and we're looking out through the windows, and there's lots of ooing and eyeing. The kids are singing Christmas carols. This is idyllic. I am telling you, it was a hallmark moment. It was so cool. And, and then, the bus driver, God bless him, and pulls into a, a spot, 
and begins to back up to turn the bus around so that we can head back into Tulsa, but go by the lights again. And then this happened. He misjudged and ended up halfway in the ditch. Yes. Ooh. Because we all had to get on the upside of the bus so that it wouldn't continue to tip over and roll. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit disconcerting. I, I'll, I'll add to it. Now, um, just, just so that you get an idea of what's happening here. Okay, we all got off the bus. Everybody's fine. It was a little chilly that night. Everybody's fine. But just so that you can get a reference point, there's Dan and I by the by the tire of the bus, that, that bottom of that tire is hitting me about mid-thigh. So I don't know what that distance is, but that's pretty high off the ground. Now, when we went to go see the lights, I did not expect that to include emergency vehicle lights. But let me tell you, this is a big deal in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Because the cops are all out there, and I think the sheriff's department too. And they're all checking things out. And I will tell you that one of the most interesting parts of the entire story is this, this kid rolls up in the biggest pickup truck. One of the biggest pickup trucks I've ever seen. I live in Oklahoma. I see a lot of big pickup trucks. But anyway, this is a big pickup truck. Kid comes out. He's wearing a hoodie. This bright blue hoodie. And he's got the hood up and his cowboy hat on top of it. And the worst part is, is I'm not thinking about a fashion statement here because it's just that cold. It's okay. But anyway, he starts talking. It, this is a big deal for him. He begins to call his friends. They have all large pickup trucks too. And there was actual discussion around the idea of hooking the bus up to said pickup trucks, plural, and pulling that bad boy out of the ditch. Fortunately, Sepulpa PD talked them out of this. <laughs> but why? Yes, I don't know, because that would have been fun too. But, but here's, here's the interesting thing. So we have all these people that are all friends and family members. This one kid who stopped, and they began to ferry all of our people up to the Starbucks in Glenpool, just to keep us warm, Right? Because we have little kids, and some of them are in their jammies, and you know, because we thought we were going to be on the bus, right? <laughs> we didn't expect to be outside. And uh, as we were driving, um, Dan and I were in the last car with uh, uh, Chris Silverman, and, uh, and um, the, the young lady was the girlfriend of the kid with the cowboy hat and the hoodie. And uh, she says, We're rodeo people. I don't know what that means, but apparently <laughs> it means that they're really kind. And they're really nice. And buses and ditches are very interesting to them. <laughs> I don't know what, I, what was unexpected. The fact that we were in the ditch or that we were shown such kindness by a group of people that I didn't even know were a thing. It's very interesting. And I thought to myself, boy, there's a message about identity in there somewhere. So someday you're going to hear this story again. But anyway. But yeah. So, um, needless to say, we saw one light display and everybody wanted to go home. Yeah. Upshot is we got our money back and it looks like in January we're probably going to have that dinner that, <laughs> that I decided not to do. Well, anyway, it's all going to work out. You know, all of us have experienced some type of a curveball, whether it's something along, you know, 
something like this, or you've got your own stories too. A lot of you have been sitting at my table at my, at my house, and you've been willing to share those with me. But it's, it's really about the curveballs. Sometimes those curveballs are, are good. Sometimes they're painful. And oftentimes they're both. I remember we got off the bus. I thought to myself, well, either we were going to go and see a lot of really you know, pretty lights or we were going to end up with a good story. Good story it is. Okay, that's good. Sometimes they're not so much fun, though, right? Um, and we've got to deal with those curveballs. And, of course, one of the better biblical examples out there is, is Mary. And we, we read this story every single year, but I, I think it bears us reading it again. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Um, or if you have a Bible app, go ahead and punch it in now. Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read this, this short piece, verse 26 through 38. You know this story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. <clears throat> and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, uh, and she who is said to be uh, barren um, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be um, to me the way you have said. Then he left her. Mm. This is the word of the Lord and we believe it. I want to kind of pull this apart just a little bit as we often do and try to understand this. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's how Luke starts. And it's really interesting to me because Matthew writes to skeptical Jews and so he talks about um, Jesus' father because uh, that's important um, in, in uh, Jewish culture is lineage. And, but Luke, who is Greek, starts with um, the women in, uh, in Jesus' life. And that's a fascinating thing we should all pay attention to. <clears throat> in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth, very interesting place. Uh, small town in Galilee. Um, I've said this before, kind of the Galilee region was kind of the redneck version of of Israel, this is where you know people wear hoodies and cowboy hats, right? And this is that's um, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now this is um, this is interesting to a virgin pledged to be married to a man. And the word pledged here is telling. 
And we need to pay attention to this. We talked about this last week just a little bit so that we understand how things work in Jewish culture. You have uh, a typical wedding is you have some type of an arrangement. There is a betrothal period, there is a wedding, and then eventually um, the groom takes the bride home. That could be to his household or to his physical house. It depends uh, on the circumstances of the people involved. And that's when um, they begin their life together. <clears throat> so it's not you know, too different than what we experience here, except the betrothal period is interesting because in Jewish culture, um, in Jewish law, the betrothal period is they were in effect legally married. And there was, there was a, a covenant made, a contract, if you will, made between the two families at the time of the arrangement. And so betrothal was a big deal. And so when she's pledged to be married, it means that the wedding had not really taken place and there was no homecoming yet. Does this make sense? So there's a, it's a very um, um, interesting point in the, the development of that relationship. And so um, the angel um, went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I want you to look at that one more time, okay? Just, this is gonna make sense here. The angel went to her and said, Hi, greetings, right? Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You know, if an angelic being shows up and has good words like that, that's probably a good sign, right? And yet, notice what Mary said, what it says about Mary. She was greatly troubled. Now, here's the interesting thing. In Greek language, troubled means troubled, yes, but there's this idea of agitation. She's a little agitated by it. Um, not in the sense that she's angry about it, but that <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's a set of, of words, the greeting that she was given has caused a whole lot of questions to be, begin to bubble up. Have you ever had one of those conversations where you're talking to someone and in your brain you're trying to figure out what the agenda is behind what they're saying? Has that ever happened to you? And so you're actually like... You, there's, there's two conversations going on. The one that you're having with the person and the one you're having with yourself, right? It's like, what do they mean? What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. And there's a little bit of agitation to that. Would you agree? Yeah, so this is, what, this is kind of the idea that's going on here. Um, another word that's used often to translate is perplexed. But don't miss the fact that it's not just perplexed, it's not just disturbed, it's not just um, troubled. It's greatly troubled. It's bugging her. And, and I wonder why. I, I truly wonder why. I wonder why she was perplexed by this. Um, was, it, was it the words that he chose? Or was it the fact that there was an you know, angel standing in her bedroom or something? I, you know, I don't know. Um, or all of it put together. I would imagine that that's probably, probably it. But, but then the angel has to say to her, and, and this is the, I'm very common, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Hey, that, that conversation in your head, that agitation, just, just relax. This is a good thing. I want to let you know that. So just, just, the term here would be great as take a breath, right? You know, just relax. And then he lays it on her. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Bam. Wow, that's some news. And you were to call him Jesus. Uh, the term was Yeshua. Uh, it's a variation on Joshua, which means salvation. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So, so there's two announcements here. Two big ones. First is you're going to have a baby, bam. But not just any child. Great, Son of the Most High, throne, reign, royal baby, double bam. That's big news. And Mary, who just cracks me up, um, proves herself to be quite practical. Very practical, in fact. Look what she asks. Um, how's that going to happen? Because, you know, I'm still, yeah. And just imagine how that went, right? Because, you know, we get the sanitized version, but I wonder. See, the David conversation is very different, but that's okay. And I just think this is really interesting. But there's got to be this, like, hold on a second. I'm in this betrothal period, um, and, and she knows what the customs and the expectations are of the community in which she lives. And, and she probably understood the mechanics of making babies, right? I mean, she gets all of these things, and so there's this moment of, hey, how's this going to happen? Right? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Not the son of Joseph, the son of God. Very powerful. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be, able, be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail, or <clears throat> for nothing is impossible with God. You've, you've read both those versions. You know, I want you to notice something here. And he says this, I mean, he's focused on, you know, what's really powerful that's happening. It's what God is doing. But there's nothing about the optics here. You know that word, optics, how things look to other people? He didn't even talk about that. And he doesn't talk about the challenges that this is going to pose to her. Or even the implications of something like this. He just announces, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a royal baby. And of course, I, you know, part of me thinks that in the angel's mind, hey, this is a really great thing, but there's implications. There's a ripple effect to this. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. And then she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Oh, man. If only we could be that trusting. And at the same time, I think, if only I had an angel to tell me, that would make things a lot easier, wouldn't it? Or burning bush or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Bible is um, pretty sparse with some of the details. But, again, when we open up this book, we're tourists there are some things that we know, that we understand, um, or that we can surmise reasonably. <clears throat> First, Nazareth was a small town, probably about four or 500 people at this time period. It's in a very rural setting. It ain't downtown and it ain't the burbs, okay? It's a small town kind of a thing. How many of you were raised in a small town, four or 500? Yeah? 
Yeah, you, you know what that's like. Everybody know everybody else's business, right? Yeah, that happens. And the second thing we, we know reasonably is that Torah, Jewish law, and custom forbade intimacy between betrothed men and women, between bride and groom, until a certain point, and that's after the wedding. Okay, there's, there's a process here. There is a procedure. This is an important thing. The third thing is that we, we know that, that Torah, Jewish law, and custom also forbade intimacy between anyone who was not married. And just, you know, this is not something that you do. So, it's not a leap for us to realize or to believe that Mary, well, Basically, she's lost any reputation that she's had. And, and I want you to keep in mind something. There are some estimates that Mary at this time was maybe as young as 13 years old. Maybe, 13, 14. So any reputation she did have is completely lost. And what about Joseph? How's he going to take it? What would he do? Of course, we read that last week, right? Um, what would he do? And, and how is that conversation going to go? At some point, she's got to have that discussion with him and her family and his family and extended family, and the town ain't that big, right? It's four or 500 people, and so consequently, you can begin to see how this thing begins to, to look kind of... And what, would affect, what a kind of effect would it have on, on her family or his family and their business because, well, yeah, he's, he's going to marry that girl, and... It, goes on and on. Again, optics are not part of Jesus' plan. There's something you can write down. If God has a plan for whatever's going on, optics are probably not part of it. And there's this part of me I just feel for Mary, because this is a good thing. This is something that quite literally changes the course of human history. And yet she still has to deal with all the junk and there are things about it that um, she's just going to have to bear on her own. But there's one last thing that we do know. The Lord is with you. The angel is very clear about that. The Lord is with you. Now, I can't fully comprehend the full, the full extent of Mary's emotions. I, I can't. One, I'm male, um, and and secondly, I didn't live in first century um, Israel, so I, I don't I'm not bound by Jewish law. And that's not part of my culture, but, but I can empathize. And what I can do is I can imagine that there was a lot of joy and hope mixed with pain, <laughs> pain and pressure, pressure that I can't even imagine. <clears throat> and it just reminds me again that sometimes. Life doesn't go as, as expected. But the point is, is what we do with it, that's what really counts. What do we do? Do we soldier on? Do we continue on? Do we go back to God? Whatever it happens to be. And, and, and the, the circumstances, even though we know the broader story, the small story, the one that's happening in that small town, is that either Mary or Joseph, one of them is lying Something's going on here. And so reputation is gone. It is a shameful set of circumstances in that culture. It's horrible. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Now, the one thing that I think Mary teaches us, and the thing that I want you to understand as you go through go throughout this season is simply this, is that God is present despite our shame. God is present despite our shame. Remember last week we talked about this idea that, that God is present even in your uncertainty, but he is also present despite our shame. And I've, I've talked about this quite a bit. I, I talk to a lot of people and the one thing that I see over and over again is that people are dealing with, with stuff in their past and they got things that they're not proud of and some of those are choices that they made that they recognize now are pretty stupid and wish they had them back, but they don't. And in some, some cases, it's, it's, it's more than that where it was, it was put upon them in horrible ways. And so maybe you've got some stuff that you're not proud of. We all do, every one of us. By the way, which would be a really great place to start, just to presume that every person you meet is just as messed up as you are, <laughs> because maybe you'll have a little more grace for them, maybe a little grace for yourself. But here's the thing, God, God is present. Even however you feel about yourself, God's present. He's not mad at you. <laughs> He wants you to be free of that thing that just weighs you down. That's not what he has in mind. And by the way, a baby in a manger is evidence that he does love you and he's not angry with you. And so wherever you are and whatever you've got that you're carrying around with you, I just want to let you know that, that God is present despite all of that. And, and the, the best part is we know that Mary survives. So does Joseph. And the story continues, and we'll pick it back up again on Christmas Eve. So if you want, if you haven't heard the story, which you probably have, but if you haven't, you should come back Christmas Eve. Come on, hang, hang with us, and we'll talk about the real present of Christmas.